since 2019 because COVID kind of got in the way. And to join me on this epic journey is from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Mr. Marcus Green, sir. How are you? Doing good. True Penny fans, I know it's been a while, but me and James always find a way to link back up. And uh, what better way to do it than, you know, come back throwback style to the NWA. So, you know. Yeah, there we are. We, Me and Marcus have talked a lot about the NWA since the Billy Corgan era came through. Obviously, both of us being long-term Impact fans, there was obviously an NWA connection there. And obviously, I'm a big fan of WCW and pre-WCW Crockett era wrestling in, in the West Coast. So, sorry, East Coast, I do apologize. Um, so, this is kind of a homecoming for my wrestling fandom, especially with this particular show, because it had David Crockett on commentary. And the last time I heard David Crockett on commentary was from an NWA Crockett uh, TV show I have on videotape from 1984 when Ric Flair was a babyface and Bob Orton Jr. collected on Harley Race's bounty to break his leg before the flair for the gold, which will tell you how long David Crockett has been involved in professional wrestling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you got a lot of those classic stories, and, and, and particularly on this show, um, him being on commentary for... Um, it was a godsend considering who he replaced, but we'll get more into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, uh, commentary team of Joe Garley, Tim Storm, and Velvet Sky. Guess which one of those three we don't like. Um, <laughs> when I said, hey, let's do the Crockett Cup, Marcus, what were your thoughts and what are your thoughts on where the company is at considering so much of stuff has happened to them during COVID that didn't happen to other wrestling companies? Yeah, it was interesting because, I mean, I kind of honestly checked out during that time because a lot of stuff fell through with them. You know, they was on YouTube and doing that stuff and, you know, uh, making some moves. And, and then a lot of people kind of dropped off and dropped out and uh, no longer with the company. And then they kind of had to pivot and uh, it's taking them a while to kind of get the feedback on them. But they're doing some uh, some interesting stuff. Got, got a lot of, I mean, just by this show, they got a lot of uh, great talent coming through the company and in the company now so uh they got some interesting stuff going on i think the last time i really checked them out was for the last crockett cup it almost feels like <laughs> we talked about them but uh really you know anybody that long time listeners know james is, is a true champion of women's wrestling and i've always had a deep appreciation for tag team wrestling um so this was like the perfect avenue for me to get back into nwa so that, that was kind of my first thoughts. Uh, then I looked at the card, some names that I really liked and, and hadn't seen in a long time, some names that I certainly could never see again. But <laughs> <laughs> that's the variety and spice of life and in, in wrestling. So, you know, I was I was appreciative to, to have the opportunity to get back into the company. I was looking at David Bixon's Twitter feed this week in which he pulled, issued an, uh, a public apology to any one of his friends or people he knows who works or wrestles for NWA. But so long as Austin Aries is involved with the NWA, he ain't watching it, which is perfectly reasonable. <laughs> it's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, yeah he knows it. Yeah, yeah, he knows his narrative. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 it, Vix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I mean, I, and to be honest, the Trooping Show is well known for going no to certain things. And we wouldn't support, say, control your narrative. It's something I think both me and you have gone, oh, Jesus, wept at. Um, but um, the NWA has a few more toys to play with. And there's a lot of people who aren't completely awful, who would deserve your support. So we're kind of doing it from that perspective. Um, and for the fact that it's the NWA and, you know, whoever's in charge of the company has a, a legacy to protect. And I want to see how well they protect that legacy. So we'll start on night one. There was pre-shows for this. We're not covering them because there's an awful lot of wrestling to cover. Um, Hawks are Luke Hawks and PJ Hawks. That's a father-son combination. Wrestled the end. Odinson and Paro to a nine minutes and 19 second draw. There was kind of a bit of a tease of a turn between Odinson and Paro. Um, Odinson is, as you can imagine, kind of a bit of a Norse god depicted character who tries awfully, awfully hard. Uh, Paro is a Mike Paro, the the big monster muscle guy um, who from Indies, who was actually probably of the current crop of indie stars was the first one to come out as openly gay about two or three years ago. And I've always had an interest in him because he was so um, out and proud, which is a really cool thing. And, you know, he's not, he's not in the, how can I put it? Someone like Effie, who obviously plays on his sexuality as part of his character, Paro doesn't. And I'm always intrigued about how he goes about that in his wrestling world. So it's always like a, the outside of wrestling, like personal life, invading in the wrestling space which isn't necessarily fair for some people i don't think it's fair for him because he's those two things part of his life are so separate um and luke hawks and pj hawks i'd seen a little bit of them on nwa uh their weekly show the nwa power show and i was kind of impressed by them they get a surprise upset victory when paro and Alderson have a a bit of a fallout i thought this was a pretty good opener what's your thoughts on this one marcus yeah same you know back when i was watching it uh also when it was um growing on youtube it was really cool just the concept of seeing a legitimate father and son combination it's just something you know right or two you don't you don't get to see um you know obviously we, we're seeing it and in, in, we've seen it through through wrestling in a lot of ways and obviously more recently like with Ray mysterio and his boy but um dominic but uh this is this is really cool to see and um the end they're impressive as well like you said teasing some uh, separation there, but you know, I think both sides are really impressive and coming out of this match where it would lead to the story for, you know, the the, the young gun going into the night. I thought it was uh, thought it was a good opener. Yeah, I think so as well. The the story of the match ended when uh, Luke Hawks ended up with a concussion, which left PJ Hawks on his own for the rest of the tournament, which we will no doubt discuss later. Next up was the card owners, Mike Knox ex of WWE fame and VSK, they went up against Mims and the Pope. Da Pope. He, he, of the Pope fame. <laughs> Nine minutes and 59 seconds of a thoroughly enjoyable professional wrestling match. For those of you who do, do, do not dip their water into the independent wrestling scene in the United States of America, you will find it hard to believe that Matt Cardona has become the biggest heel in North American professional wrestling within the last 12 months. He worked magic with GCW first, probably to its greatest effect. And then he has taken his heel persona on the road to every other promotional lab him. <laughs> um, and the NWA has benefited as he's the current NWA world's champion, having beaten Trevor Murdoch for the title. And that was a big part of the build to this show. 
And as part of that build, he's also uh, adopted a posse, the Cardonas, which obviously include Chelsea Green, his wife, VSK, and Mike Knox. And this was a perfectly good match. Mims and the Pope, fine tag team. I like them. I thought they were good, very kind of in sync. Mike Knox and VSK weren't, but that was kind of the character they were playing. They were kind of forced into this position and weren't necessarily ready for it. And that was kind of the story they were trying to tell. What did you think of this one? Oh, I agree right with you, man. Look, as much as as annoying as Cardona has, <laughs> has become, uh, along with his paramour, um, you got to tip your hat to him. You know, this is not the guy that, you know, years ago was woo woo woo. And it was cool to see back then because he legitimately got to a point where Dwayne Rock Johnson was standing in the ring and a crowd was chanting for him. Yeah. yeah. So. You know that's 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 no small feat. Um, but you know his his WWE run kind of ended in the snuff, and then he kind of had to he had he really had to build himself back up from the ground up to sort of see where he is and what he's doing now. Even you know, like I said, as annoying as he can be at times, um, it's just you got you got to tip your hat to him. It, it is impressive. You know, a lot not a lot of guys are able to kind of redefine and, and reshape their image in that in this business. I, I still think one of the funniest. Uh, things in the last two years I've seen in wrestling has been somebody the Moose calling him Mid Cardona. That that <laughs> moniker is just hilarious to me. But um, yeah, it's nothing short of impressive in seeing what he he's done here. But there's no way I was gonna be on any other side than than the Pope. You know, I go back <laughs> with the Pope. That's one of my favorite things about the the NWA right now is getting to see the Pope back in action. And I think Mims is a, is a cool partner. Obviously, I wanted a different result, but, you know, as we will see later in the night, there's there's more narrative to go with the Pope, as there always is. The man is never fully out of options. got to love it. No, that's it. People this week have been complaining about Sammy Guevara and Taya being far too old each other, each other on AEW yeah, television. They, and it's like, they, Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green have been doing that for years. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Some people, you know, uh, have too many options. Like it's just, it's, just, it's just one of those things, man. It's just one yeah. of those. Uh, well. Um. Anyway, let's move on to the next match: the Dirty Sexy Boys, Dirty Diango, and JTG uh, defeated Aaron Stevens, who normally tags up with John Crotus, uh, who normally we, me and John, talk about when we're covering Bloodsport because he's a hardcore um shoot style fighter who of course is tagging up with Aaron Stevens because that's the way uh Billy Corgan's mind works and actually it's not a bad thing though those are they are the perfect beauty and the beast tag team um but Crotus could not make it uh for this particular show I don't know if that was a shoot or issue or whatever so in the brilliant promo that only Aaron Stevens can could possibly present he said I've got a white gown on so I need something borrowed um, that shot from the cameraman over there and something extremely blue and to take up his place was the blue meanie to have a bit of a fun comedy match and to pay tribute to his uh, distant mentor, of course, uh, Scott Hall, the bad guy. So we had the blue guy one more time on national television and uh, meanie was very, very thankful to Billy Corgan because he was an NWA fan growing up in Philadelphia and he loved the NWA and he got to wrestle in the Crockett Cup. And that was a great moment for him. Dirty Django and JTG were a team that looked like they were going to be, you know, a decent team in this particular tournament. 
I realize now that I've watched more JTG matches since he left the WWE than when he was in the WWE, because I've only watched one match when he was in the WWE. And uh, Dirty Django has announced his retirement last week. So there you go. Bit of an eventful match, really, for a bit of a fun throwaway six minutes and 40 seconds comedy match. Marcus, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, you know... Um... Real shout out to you know the legendary uh, Scott Hall and Shad Gaspard. Um, mm-hmm. Got a good good energy coming through this match from uh, uh, through that way. Um, but yeah, it's it's just cool for me having us having suffered through his impact run, seeing Aaron Stevens, <laughs> this intellectual um, savior of the masters, because he really was experimenting. It feels like back then. Yes. Uh, well, it's cool to see him get back to his nat- what feels like his natural comfort zone, what comes off just effortless for him. And when he said something extremely blue, it, it didn't even make a correlation for me, but it immediately popped in my head like it got to be the blue mini. Like, it <laughs> what else in wrestling is that? It's, you know, blue. Like, what else do you affiliate with wrestling uh, like that? So that was cool to see. And like you, I haven't seen a, tr- a tremendous amount of JTG in a while, but it was cool this <laughs> year. And, uh, yeah, another another cool tag team with him. Uh, looking forward to seeing seeing more of those guys. And obviously, they picked up uh, uh, to be here. But it was it's cool, like you said, to see you know uh, Blue Mini get a, get an opportunity through you know Billy Corgan, somebody who's very much appreciative. A lot of people go back, you know, their, their childhood fandom of wrestling starts with the NWA. So to see a lot of these guys, you know, get to actually participate in the Crockett Cup is, is uh, mm-hmm. you know really cool to see. I think JTG has also become quite the mentor to African-American wrestlers on the independent circuit as he's been back wrestling there. He's a big star for GCW for the culture shows and seems like very much a patriarch of the the particular patriarch of the movement that has got more black wrestlers involved in indie wrestling. And GCW has done a very good job with that, I think, as well. But, you know, JTG is kind of a bit of a... I would say pioneering figure because obviously there's been plenty of black wrestlers around, but he's a guy who's done the job and he's done it to the highest standard and he's very much revered and that's really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where are we? So that left the next matchup, which was Gold Rush, Jordan Clearwater and Marche Rocket along with Black G's and Tyrus to defeat Strictly Business, Chris Adonis and Tom Latimer in four minutes and 18 seconds. In a remarkably short match, <laughs> which is all you can really say for it. This is actually, this seeing Marche Rocket actually reminded me of what this tournament began to feel like, which was, it feels like King of Trios in Shikara. Like with the way that Shikara kind of weaved lots of tag team wrestling into a one weekend tournament, brought in stars from the past, brought in big indie names from all over the world. And it felt a lot like that uh, because the first time I saw Marche Rocket was King of Trios in 2015, I think. Uh, maybe a bit earlier now, maybe 2014. That was the first time I saw him. Um, and uh, this just felt like that. Um, and, yeah, uh, it was good. I liked this matchup before I was. I couldn't do an awful lot. Tom Latimer and Chris Adonis were kind of... Um, <laughs> Definitely, like, you know, not hanging around in this particular tournament because there's far too many heel tag teams in the NWA, like literally most of them. So it's just not going to work if you have all the heel tag teams go through because who are you going to pull for? 
So at one point, I'm sure that uh, the Cardonas, who were supposed to be the biggest heel team in the division, were having to be baby faces because they were up against the Rebellion. <laughs> so it didn't quite work out the way things should yeah. have done. Oh, no, they're up against the Fixers, that's it, who are a heel tag team as well. And don't really work as a fan favorite tag team yet because they're just getting established. Um, so it was kind of like, well, someone has to go, and they got it over with. It won a great wrestling match, put it that way. Your thoughts, Marcus? No, it was it was fine. It did what it needed to do. I uh, would like to see more from from Adonis and and, and Lattimore. Um, I haven't seen a tremendous amount of, of Adonis, but have been aware of his uh, his consistency on the independence and, and growing um, in, in a new way. Um, but yeah, you know, like you said, it was only so much that was going to be done. Like you said, there's a tremendous amount of more heel tag teams and. You know, a heel tag team that's actually the NWA champions, but they come off so cool. They're almost tweeners um, <laughs> in, in a way. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you only go be once, once. Once Tyrus is involved, it's all downhill. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all downhill. So it's only so much this match will be able to get. And then you had, until um, I know this was that, that would have been, that would have been the other tag team. She's, uh, not a fan of the Cardona. So, yeah, like you said, this, this match did what it, it needed to do. Could have been more, but, you know, um, like I said, it got in and it got out. It, it happened. It, it definitely occurred. We can move on from there. I'm sure we'll come with more insults for Tyrus as we get into night two. Um, the second night, uh, so the next match after that was the Commonwealth Connection, Doug Williams and Harry Smith. Uh, they defeated the ill-begotten Alex Taylor and Rush Freeman with Jeremiah Plunkett, six minutes and 38 seconds. It was, it, it, Doug Williams is out of retirement again because he got itchy feet during um, lockdown and has suddenly found himself as, you know, a big name on the UK indie circuit again because there's very few people can still do what Doug Williams can do. He is a lot slower than he used to be, I have to say. But it's not by any means bad. It's not the anarchist Doug Williams that we used to get in the mid-2010s and really made an name for himself on Impact TV and in Ring of Honor. And Harry Smith's never been a bad wrestler. He's just not really found a secure home to wrestle in, if that makes sense. He kind of left New Japan as the style was moving towards more of a the, the Okada, Kenny Omega style. I know that him and Kenny didn't particularly see to eye to eye on wrestling philosophy from what the conversations they had on Twitter. And... Then he went to you know MLW. He did all right there, but didn't stay really very long. And then went to WWE, but managed to get released before he even started. What was that about? <laughs> um, but yeah, and here is kind of like as a babyface heater, he was just the right place to be. And Doug Williams is just the right guy to feed him, and it works. The Ill Begotten Alex Taylor and Rush Freeman are kind of an up and coming tag team. They were managed by Jeremiah Plunkett, and there was a bit of. Uh, more NWA shenanigan stuff to go on to tell the story, but the basic point was Commonwealth Connection are going to be good because they're good. Former Ring of Honor TV champion, multi-time Impact Tag Team champion, multi-time um, TV champion, uh, X Division champion, and former IWGP NWA Tag Team champion. You know, these guys know what they're doing. And it was kind of a, to establish them as stars, which they are. Um, but not the American audience isn't completely okay with them, certainly not an NWA audience. Um, it, it strikes me as funny because 
we're getting to a point where we've got kind of like um, the territories back because people only watch one thing and they don't watch anything else. Do you know what I mean, Marcus? No, absolutely. But and, and, and to your point, I think the greatness in that is that, you know, that that kind of shows, you know, a level of, I guess, uh, how the, the business is thriving in the point because there are these places now. Obviously, you got your big kahunas like WWEs, AEWs. But impacts, you know, in a, in a stride in a way, uh, as only impact can be. <laughs> um, then you got MLW, you got NWA, um, like you said, you got GCW and others that a lot of these spaces aren't just feeding off other places. They're really holding their own and putting their stake in the ground. And people are choosing because ultimately, in a lot of ways, you have to because between life and the the plethora of wrestling that's out there, you kind of almost have to pick and kind of, you know, pick your favorites. Obviously, stay abreast of everything, but hone in on stuff. So, you know, um, the more you can get, like, tournaments like this, and obviously, you know, New Japan is, is you know, is the standard all its own, you, you kind of, um, it, it's just really cool to see that a lot of these places are really defining themselves as yeah. themselves, not having to, you know, feed off everything else in a lot of ways that because the big kahuna has, has been watered down so much is actually helping these other places so <laughs> i think that's it i mean the the, the minoru suzuki on his last tour was the example i always give because like went to aew arthur ash stadium ten thousand people singing along with his theme song goes to gcw big show for gcw 1200 in the building all singing along with his theme song goes to impact wrestling nobody knows who he is <laughs> it's like no one sings longs with his scene song because it was this guy you know it's like because impact wrestling fans don't necessarily watch any other form of wrestling I, and i suppose it's the flip side of the, the the negative connotation of the toxic wwe or AEW fan that hate everything else but there are people who just just they just like impact that's all they watch anyway i forgot to ask you what about the match yeah the match was cool the match was, was good um Look, I mean, this is this is just me, but you know, I take a, a, a you know at half mass, if you will, Doug Williams and and Harry Smith <laughs> over most tag teams. That that is experience, that is grit, that is consistency, that is wrestling one on one, and two people who are so uh, proficient in the fundamentals, you just can't beat. And who don't want to see rolling chaos? There you, you know? go. True. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we move on to the next match, which was La Rebellion, Bestia 666, CCC, I can't do Spanish, and Mecha Wolf. They defeated Bad News Boys, Brandon Tate and Brent Tate. They were a fun tag team to watch. I enjoyed them. However, they were never going to beat the NWA tag team champions in the Crockett Cup in the first round, were they? That was kind of wishful thinking there, really. But a fun match while it lasted. Um, but yeah, again, kind of like... Get the young kids over, but the dominant champions are always going to win. But there's kind of a point. You have to make your dominant champions look dominant. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Yeah, haven't seen an extreme amount of La Rebellion, but just on first glance, these are, these guys are cool. Mm. You know, these guys are good. I love to see, I'm already in my mind booking like, uh, a season of five of Lucha Underground, which obviously we know is kind of evolved in the Aztec Underground uh, <laughs> and MLW. Uh, but I'm, I'm I'm booking the season five uh, Lucha Underground main event of La Rebellion versus the Lucha Bros. <laughs> I guess to me that's to me that's money. Uh, but yeah, 
yeah, this was a cool, fun match, but Rebellion's on a different level. They've had that those tag titles for, you know, what almost 300 days. Looked really good with those uh, those OG tag titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to the commentary team for pointing that out. A lot of, you know, like Tim Storm was talking about tradition um, and, and all that, the tradition and so much uh, history uh, that, that goes with the company and so much embracing of it. And shout out to Billy Corgan for realizing that and, and incorporating you know, the the old school with the new school and making everything uh, feel like, you know, uh, symmetry. So, uh, but yeah, a lot of rebellions just on a different level. For these, for these well, I mean, yeah, unfortunately, we will maybe not for a while see Lucha Bros versus La Rebellion just because La Rebellion are a crash team and obviously uh, Lucha Bros are a AAA team. So, yeah. in the, 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 the current head of lucha politics is just far too much for us to deal with in a in an hour-long podcast um, and no <laughs> but yeah so not there at the moment but we'll see okay we'll move on to the next one the card owners mike knox and vsk defeat the fixers jay bradley and wrecking ball Ligursky. i like those two i jay bradley so long as billy corgan's in wrestling jay bradley's clearly never going to be without a job um <laughs> and i love jay bradley Jay Bradley's a really nice guy. He actually, um, I emailed him once about a story I was writing about King's Road style. And obviously he'd wrestled for all Japan and for Noah. And he was quite happy to talk about it. Gave me a full answer about what he thought about about um, King's Road style and why Baba worked. And yeah, lovely bloke. Um, and tagging with Wreck and Ball Nagurski. Um, they, they was there a fun comedy heel tag team? And they're kind of in part of Steve Carino's, not Steve Carino's, uh, Colt Carino's crew. And yeah, this was good. Seven minutes and three seconds. Um, I'd like to see more of the fixes. They 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 strike musical. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Yeah, yeah, I dig it. That whole dynamic. It's been a while since I've seen Bradley, man. But it's again cool to see what he's evolved into. And uh, you know, he's got a bit of a comedic tag team there, but a but a formidable one. Those aren't these aren't uh, these aren't cruiserweights. We're looking at uh, with the tag. <laughs> some big guys, but uh, yeah, they're definitely they're definitely fun to watch. Yeah, no, it was absolutely like a fun blast to watch, and and good, um, good, good, just good to see, really. Uh, and you know, it's just like, yeah, James, James Bradley's employed. I'm happy. <laughs> uh, then we got to the second to last of the quarter, well, the first of the quarter, sorry, third, second quarterfinals. Yes, the first of the quarter. That was the first of the quarterfinals because the fix had gone through on previous show. The second quarterfinals. Involved the Dirty Sexy Boys in their second round match against the Briscoe Brothers. Now, I have a little bit of a, an analogy for you for this week. Um, I drive to work on in these days and my little 17-mile drive to work of a, of a Tuesday morning. And as I set about my day, I have moved to the country and I drive through the countryside of the English rural setting at uh, a nice pace, as you can imagine. And... As I looked to my left whilst I was negotiating a bend, I looked and saw the biggest herd of prey I had ever seen in my life. So when I got to school, I looked it up to see what it actually would be and discovered that golden eagles have been reintroduced to Lincolnshire. And it was, in fact, a terrifying merchant of death on wings that was staring directly at me as some poor rodent lost its life in its claws. This is what this match was wrestling like, of rest, about wrestling was like. It was the Apex Predator tag team coming to have some fun at the expense of the Dirty Sexy Boys. Dirty Django and JTG 
who are awesome and I love dearly, but it's like a whirlwind ran into the building when the Briscoe brothers turned up to wrestle. Eight minutes and 14 seconds. They were unhired into nothing. That was all I could say, because Mark and Jay weren't mucking about and they got the job done. And that's kind of really what you wanted them to do. Marcus, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I was, that story started off so lovely and peaceful to the point where I was like, man, I, I really like to drive into work with uh, <laughs> with James. And then it got tragic, quick. Uh, <laughs> tragic. But um, sometimes that, that's how it goes. But yeah, yeah. like you said, them boys, man, uh, for, for all that, that comes with them, they do not play when it comes to the, the, being inside that ring. They are standard in tag team wrestling for a reason. They're in Ring of Honor's Hall of Fame for a reason, and they can continue to be one of the uh, best consistent uh, pads that you're going to see going. And uh, if you don't come to play, you will get played. <laughs> so, I, I, I think as well, it's like they've been back in the news this week because obviously – Jay has a habit of saying very stupid things on social media, or he used to. He doesn't say it anymore. They are both very conservative outlooked in their politics and some homophobic comments Jay came out with, which he has apologised before. He's back when he was Ring of Honor World Champion in 2014, I think. Um, he has apologised for and says he does not think like that anymore because obviously they're Ring of Honor tag team champions and who just bought Ring of Honor? Um, and But to be fair, Tony Khan has taken on bigger jobs to rehabilitate um, and, and doesn't seem to mind certain horrible people being on his roster. So I don't think the Briscoes are particularly, compared to some people I can think of, are quite reasonable. Um, and we've like said before, we don't particularly like their politics, but we never said they were a bad tag team. They are an outstanding professional wrestling tag team. Um, so yeah, it was intriguing to watch this in the kind of like the light of what's going on this week and the politics going out. But Tony Khan isn't an idiot. FTR versus the Briscoes for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships at the next Ring of Honor pay-per-view is all the money you need. And that will happen, whether the Briscoes stay with Ring of Honor long-term or not. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on that one. I don't know if you've got any comment on that. No, absolutely. We talked about it the last time we uh, spoke. I think it, if it was, uh, we might have been talking about... Uh, Actually, that final Ring of Honor show before they, they took mm. one on hiatus, we talked about it because FTR showed up to the show. Yeah. Um, I, I said, if like if one of your favorite all-time Ring of Honor matches is the Hardest versus the Bucks, I think it, what that was, Ladder Wars. Yeah. Um, FTR versus Briscoes is and will be the complete opposite of that. <laughs> because those guys are ground and pound, smash mouth. I don't need nothing but a fist, time, and, and, and opportunity. And uh, it's, it's gonna be a hell of a it's gonna be a hell of a time, you know. That's it a, that's definitely a, that's is. That's been anywhere, you know. Absolutely, I completely agree. Right then, let us move on. Uh, La Rebellion had to then take on PJ Hawks, who had to challenge by himself. He lasted minutes seven minutes and twenty six seconds, and there was kind of a bit of a grudging respect to the tag team champions, to uh, the younger of the Hawks. And I really like his wrestling style. I got to see a lot more of it here because obviously he's wrestling as a single against a tag team. And he looks shattered by the end of it, bless him. But, yeah, I like PJ Hawks a lot. Lorabelli obviously did a better bit of a free ride. Well, that's no bad thing for a heel tag team to take. But, yeah, I thought this was – it was never going to be a classic because these things definitely aren't. But it was a good way to get the young man over. What about you? What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? 
You know, to a lot of people, this would probably come off like a throwaway, but it, it did a lot for this young man. Um, you know, and, and kudos to La Rebellion for doing it um, because they did, you know, it's one of those scenarios um, when you have a finish and it's, it, it's a quality finish. It's basically like a super version of drinking while investing. Yeah. When I, when I first saw it, but, uh, you know, have somebody kick out of your finish like that, it, it sometimes could be detrimental, as we've seen the concept of kicking out of finishes bastardized elsewhere. Um, for this for this young man, it means everything because it, it, it obviously the whole story was that he had the guts to come out and continue, even though he wasn't with his East Tag Team part of being his father. Mm-hmm. But it also set him up down the line for what potentially could be a singles run for him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because, you know, because the thing is, you know, his it, it, dad's older, you know, uh, when he goes down, it, it's potentially for longer because, you know, that's just a simple um, narrative of age. And, you know, he's going to need to probably end up going a singles run uh, if, they, if the tag team thing don't work out. So I think this was a good step in that and, and showing what he could do by himself. Now, obviously, I think even with a tag team part, this would have been an uphill battle because La Rebellion is just that you don't, keep the belts for 200 some almost 300 days for mm-hmm. no reason so but uh yeah like it was a, it was a, a quality showing and uh you know kudos to the audience for recognizing that after the match yeah okay so we get to the main event of the evening which is the final quarter final match doug williams and harry smith defeated goldruff jordan clearwater and marche rocket in 12 minutes and 50 seconds it kind of a bit of a master class in tag team wrestling as the commonwealth collection kind of cleaned up really <laughs> wasn't an awful lot to this other than I can't remember Clearwater and Rocket doing an awful lot more than I, I just remember Jordan Clearwater's nickname is Golden Boy and he used to be a wrestler in Britain in the 1970s called Golden, John, Golden Boy John Naylor he was really good mates with the Dynamite Kid and that era of wrestler um, and was kind of even even the most savage of pranksters like he made Owen Hart seem like fairly normal when it came to pranks and stuff <laughs> so what he was an outstanding professional wrestler there was well there's the one story talent dynamite told in his um in his biography is john used to keep an allotment where he would have like animals for food and and uh grow vegetables and stuff and there's a, a british well there's an african wrestler called honey boy zimba he wanted a goat for uh christmas dinner he was going to have goat stew for christmas dinner to remind him of home and uh went and bought a goat off john but the goat had already died and john as zimba was walking up the yard to the allotment john hit the goat in the head with a hammer (laughs) to present him with it just so zimba could see it but of course and then knocked it over and uh zimba ate that for his christmas dinner there you go bit of a grim story but that's true that's 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 the thing that stuck in my head about this match which is not necessarily a good sign is it really but there you go what did you think marcus <laughs> there's an awful lot of animal death in this today's show yeah, it's very sick. sorry about this yeah. yeah much like this show we are variety package you know you get <laughs> shop you get you know great wrestling commentary and and, and, and knowledge obviously from james who to me is like the wrestling encyclopedia go-to <laughs> um and you get the stories about the life and times of animals who are no longer with us <laughs> through through the, the the purview of 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 the wrestling so um very interesting but yeah you know again like you said um the commonwealth uh commonwealth collective right 
connection. Connection. That's that. The first off, that's a really cool and great name. Like I said, you know, um, against most people, like I said, even if Doug Williams is, you know, is past his prime or whatever, I still take him and and, and a, a very much in prime David Will Smith over most people because you just can't beat somebody who's that sound, uh, you know, with the fundamentals of it all. So, you know. Yeah, no, it was good. It, it led into the second night really well. It was kind of a close show. There was an interview with Billy Corgan explaining after the show about how the, the show went on and the things that they put together. But the second show of the weekend felt much more like an NWA show. You know, the, yeah. the, Cro the Crockett Cup as a layout is great, but doing the whole tournament in two pay-per-views means the first night's going to be full of matches not everybody wants to see <laughs> um whereas the second night feels much more like but like i said the first night felt like an old chikara show the second night yeah. felt like an nwa it's, show yeah it's funny because in a way i've kind of gotten used to certain aspects of like the first night second night trade off with new japan in a way yeah 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 so so anyway, but the opening match was the briscoes jay and mark and they defeated the card owners uh, mark mike knox and bsk I do like Mike Knox. I must admit, he's kind of a bit of groove for me where he's become really good at what he does because his character's not so ridiculous as it was in his WWE days. Um, and he's kind of this overbearing, big, hulking wrestler, and it works really well. And the Briscoes were having to kind of have a bit more of an uphill battle in this match. This one was a bit tougher for them, but it kind of established them as the top favorites because they finished off the card owners in seven minutes and 44 seconds. This was good. Thoroughly enjoyed it did what it said on the tin, did what it's supposed to do, got people over in the way it was supposed to. Good quality professional wrestling match. Your thoughts, Marcus? Yeah, I, you know, the only problem I had with the Cardones would, would, uh, came with what had to accompany the match off commentary because apparently Sky hated the Cardones. I'm like, it can't be any worse than how I feel about you. <laughs> um, on, 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 this, on this mic right now, I do not need you talking right now um but yeah i mean i you know like to the match it was a good match because it's it's not many times the the briscoes are fighting uphill battles because even if they you know um are smaller which is rare they they oftentimes have more grit and can kind of chop down those redwoods if you will so this was a a fun back and forth but you know them boys they just got the experience on their side and that cohesion is it, just something you can't beat they are literally in sync as, as <laughs> you, just, you can't beat that yeah i think this is the thing i mean velvet's commentary isn't the worst i've ever heard but it's not good and tim storm actually is one of the best commentators he's one of the best color guys i've ever come across like he's got a measured voice it's a nice tone but he's a school teacher his job is to inform people of information as clearly and cleanly as possible so he's had lots of practice. And Joe Garley is, he's, he's a good commentator. He's got a little bit of um, the Joey Styles geekiness about him, which I don't dislike, because I think it kind of like puts in an old school kind of uh, difference between the commentators and the wrestlers. Tim Storm's really good. And then you've just got Velvet Sky, who's just Velvet Sky. And yeah. some, sometimes her stuff's insightful, but it's not, she's not on the same level as say uh any number of commentators i could think of most of them women to be honest <laughs> yeah absolutely and this is uh you know we we champion uh women on this show this is not us you know picking this guy but no. 
you know, and, and also I was, I was thinking about this before the show, and I was like, I got to hand this off to James. I was like I said, the wrestling historian. This whole three-person booth thing has kind of consistently become a thing. It's kind of felt like over maybe the last decade or so. Yeah. Um, because ultimately, you don't really necessarily, it's like, it's like a unnecessary luxury in a lot of ways. Um, because like you, like you got play-by-play play and you got color, and if you've got the right guys to do it, it really is the perfect combination. But like I said, you got to have the right guys. And I found myself constantly wanting to it. And kudos to Storm and, and Galley. They really allowed her to have a lot of leeway mm. um, in that regard because I, I just kept constantly finding myself wanting to hear more from Storm. And then, you know, obviously Galley got to do what he got to do. But she took up so much of it specifically because she got this hatred towards, um, in character hatred towards uh, the Cardonas. And it kind of was taking me out of it. You yeah. know, in a way. And a lot of it was just ultimately, like I said, it's, it's not the worst commentary I've heard um, because, you know, I'm an Impact fan. I've, I've put up with <laughs> so we, we know a standard, a, a low standard, if you will, when it's come to that. But, you know, a lot of it came off unnecessary. I'm not knocking women on commentary at all. I feel like a lot more no. women probably, you know, benefit in certain uh, companies from getting on commentary because they are not finding the opportunities they need elsewhere but uh, no i'm impact yeah. wrestling are now offering an alternate comedy alternate commentary of um oh, i'm trying to remember who it is now but it's it's gail kim and there's three female wrestlers gail kim south calval and oh is it, is it, is it hemi chrissy hemi that's it. it's chrissy hemi okay. gail kim and chicago lady who owns the restaurant whose name i can't remember Oh, is it T- Tara? Oh. Yeah, Tara. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. yeah. So you know, they're they're doing alternate commentary now, which you know is is a cool thing, and yeah. it, it's. I mean, Vader Scott is an outstanding commentator, um, who's currently available, not having a job anywhere. She did the women's tournament for AW a couple, the women's tag team tournament for AW a couple of years ago, and she was exceptional at that. I don't know why AW didn't keep her, you know. Um, but there you go. But yes, but and I'm not knocking Velvet Sky. Oh, she wasn't atrocious. It's just that she wasn't offering an awful lot on commentary that we weren't getting from Galley and Storm. So yeah. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. yes. Uh, next match: Commonwealth Connection. Darry Doug Williams and Harry Smith defeated the NWA Tag Team Champions La Rebellion, Bestia Six Six Six, and Mecca Wolf in eight minutes and fifty-seven seconds in a proper back and forth wrestling match, which of course in traditions of professional wrestling's may line them up for a tag team shot down the line as they won them in a tournament match, which um, if you've been listening to uh, the New Japan, today at the New Japan Cup, you'll know an awful lot about considering the shenanigans that are going on over there. Um, yeah, Doug Williams and Harry Smith beats the Rebellion. What do you think of this one, Marcus? Because I thought this was quite good. I'm right there with you, man. Like I said, this is this is definitely, uh, you get these two more time, this is a main event. Um you know, but uh, it, it was uh, like I said, and sometimes it just comes down to not not one to say the better than the other, but just the opportunity. You know, uh, one of the guys got knocked off the ropes, and they you know took advantage of it, heated him up to um, Harry on top, and hit him with that super power slam, and that's all she wrote. Uh, so this was a this was a good affair. I can see these two teams going back and forth. Obviously, we're gonna get to what happened later in the night, ultimately with the with the uh, tournament. But uh, I like to see these two teams clash again for sure. Definitely. Next up after that, the NWA National Championship. Anthony Mayweather, your champion, 
defeated Jack Stain in 10 minutes and 11 seconds, despite taking a hammering. And then Jack Stain claimed his uh, title shot that he'd held in his back pocket for several months. He has since turned heel um, uh, from winning it when he was a babyface. I'll tell you how long ago. And then demolished Anthony Mayweather to take the national title in 30 seconds. Uh, Dane and Mayweather were a very good tag team that had been going for years. When, back when Jack Stain was NWA champion, long before the Billy Corgan era, they had a run in Impact Wrestling for a short while. Obviously, Anthony Mayweather was better known to Impact fans as Crimson. Um, and yeah, they're, they're kind of kind of NWA stalwarts at this point, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it cool to see them transition. Uh, like I said, like uh, again, another uh, set that I, you know, follow from Impact. They, um, I think that last stint was as the Veterans of War, and they yeah, were trying. So, yeah, to find, yeah. yeah, they was trying to find that way, but kind of uh, it didn't necessarily work out. And then you know we seen them transition here um, to the point where I think before he actually got consistent on NWA, uh, wasn't he like a like security? Uh, I guess uh, or something yeah. like. That. He would he would he would break he would be a part of pull aparts. Um so it was cool to see him make this transition. He probably and I'd have to go back and watch, but obviously we know how old this rolls and Cardona's rocking new looks these days, but he was probably had some of the cleanest attire on the show. <laughs> he came out there clean, matching with the with the national championship with that that golden red. Yeah, um, yeah. The kid looked good. Uh, but this situation with Dane, it was uh, it was surprising because I was unaware of certain, um, I guess you as an Impact fan, I go certain option Bs people had coming, <laughs> or option Cs if you will, coming into these matches. So it, it almost kind of was like a foregone conclusion with Dane, the Dane event as he called himself. It was yeah. like, you know, if I win, I lose. If I lose, I win. So you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was fine. It, it's it's kind of a it's a long old trip. This is what the thing that, that's kind of like pleases me about the current NWA is they use a lot of old NWA tropes as well as old NWA kind of imagery and style. But they're also using like this is like the the wronged tag team partner is such a classic NWA story, you know, it's, it, from all of the territories, but specifically from you know from uh, the Crockett era, from the Carolinas, and from Georgia and the old Georgia wrestling, it's just that that's exactly what they did, you know, and it worked so well for them. So we'll move on to the next match, which was another championship match. All title matches all the way through to the end of the show. So it was the NWA Women's World Tag Team Championship match. The Hex, Alison Kay and Marty Bell, arguably the best women's tag team in North America right now, defeated pre-empowered Ella, Ella Envy and Kenzie Page in seven minutes and nine seconds. The Hex have recently been on a tour of Europe. They did defend the NWA tag team titles all over Europe, including at Pro Wrestling Eve, where they went head for head with their tag team champions and took the winner takes all uh, championship match. This was a lot of fun. I like Kenzie Page a lot. I like Ella Envy too. I think they're very good. I haven't seen enough of them to really give them a well-rounded review, but they were solid in this match and it was a solid piece of tag team work. Uh, yeah, seven minutes and nine seconds. It was good. What did you think of this one, Marcus? Absolutely. I'm right there with you. They got a lot of potential together. Uh, these two young ladies, Kenzie, uh, I mean, Paige and Envy. But ultimately, they just hit a brick wall. Do you know, uh, Kay and Amari and, and, you know, long-term listeners know if, if, if 
uh, James endorses women, you take it at, at face value. Um, <laughs> and also helps with I think they're best friends in real life, too. You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. seeing them come from Impact and everything. I mean, Marty was a part of the dollhouse, you know, um, way back when. And, and Allison, obviously, she had us then as, as Impact Women's Champion. But to see them go from that and then, you know, get to the NWA and finally be able to, to link up and be a legit tag team and one of the best and, and attain the championships, they got to be on cloud nine right now. As best friends, they got to be on cloud nine and, and two of the best going as well. Yeah, they just – it was another – showing on this show where it, a team just outright outclassed the other to the point where the the non-cohesion with the opposite team is, is what ultimately cost them you know so yeah no it was it was good solid professional wrestling okay then we move on to the crowning of the first in a long time nwa junior heavyweight championships the last time the Junior Heavyweight Championship was regularly defended was in the NWA New Japan crossover, which, of course, got Chase Owens a job with New Japan Wrestling because he was a former NWA Junior Heavyweight Champion. The titles were laid dormant for a while. They revamped it to £225 to encourage some heavier wrestlers into the division and make it uh, a bit more modern and updated. As as Billy Corgan said, wrestlers have got faster and wrestlers, even though they're big, they still move quickly. It's kind of airing towards the X division. It's not about weighing the limits. It's about no limits. I'm mean, kind of trying to take some of that element while still giving smaller wrestlers a place to go. And that I can, I encourage. I mean, I don't encourage Austin Aries being employed, but otherwise than that, yeah, no, it was fine. Uh, <laughs> this was a tournament final and there was a four-way match final featuring the aforementioned Aries, Colby Carino, son of Steve Carino, Dar- Darius Lockhart, who I'm a big fan of, and the living legend that is Homicide. Homicide who takes the win, and I think probably his first NWA championship, nine minutes and 39 seconds. I, You know how I feel about multi-man matches. Never my thing. But this one was pretty smooth. It went as good as you could. Uh, Aries and Homicide were good glue wrestlers in this particular match. Um, so what are your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Yeah, I've kind of been more on the opposite end of that. I, I appreciate multi-man matches uh, when you got the right components in them because, as again, as a long-time TNA slash Impact fan, we have seen some clusters with some of those reversals <laughs> and this, that, and the third. Um, but, but you know, as we've seen through the X Division, you get the right guys and it can be just like a damn 10-minute highlight reel. Um, you bring it here, and like to your point, you you can't say there's no limits and then have areas involved. There are limits, okay. <laughs> there should be limits, but uh, you know, to the match, this was this was a fun little you know back and forth, and I definitely think uh, the right decision was made. You know, homicide man is it, just you know the demand. The word I would just use is consistent. You know. He's uh he, he finds a way when you when you don't think there's a, a spot for him he, he fits in wherever he can and he thrives in it and you know the the put um the, a title with some history behind it and some prestige with somebody who like you said he's a living legend um that can still go with the best of them on the mic and in the ring you know that's that's to me that's money you know so that I, was I, see I have to quote Minoru Suzuki who wrestled Homicide on a GCW show in New York on his last tour and he grabbed the house mic at the end of the night and then got back in the ring and he looked over the ring and he said I don't speak much English but hey fucking Homicide 
<laughs> and that's all you need to know. <laughs> that, Show me a better endorsement. <laughs> there you go. That's it. <laughs> um, right then, move on to the next match, which was the NWA Women's World Heavyweight Championship, the Burke Belt, if you will, which was won by the current reigning champion, Camille. She defeated Chelsea Green and Kylie Ray in a bit of a barnstormer. I, again, I'm not a big fan of multi-person matches, but this is about as good as you can have them, really. I had Chelsea Green and Camille and Kylie Ray. Camille, Kylie Ray and Chelsea. No, knock on Camille. But they've had a lot of more national exposure and with Impact Wrestling and AEW between them. And this is kind of the story of the, the card was the people who'd had national presence felt a lot more centered and felt a lot more like ready for this kind of spot. And that doesn't mean that Camille, Camille wasn't ready for this kind of spot. I think she's very good and she has a lot of potential as champion, but I think, you know, she, you're only as good as your challenges. And thankfully she has really great challenges um, because she's a power wrestler. And when you're the only power wrestler in the division, you've kind of got to boss the division and that works really well with someone like Kylie Ray, who's all about sweet science and personality, and Chelsea Green, who's kind of like this backstabbing, uh, anarchistic heel. So this works really, really well. We've got three different approaches, and Styles makes fights. And that's what made this match work, was a real level of sheen of professionalism about it that you didn't necessarily get elsewhere on this card, and it made it stand out. What's your thoughts about this one, Marcus? Yeah, 100% agree with everything you said. Um... And in a lot of ways, you saw it, you know, with their experience, like you said, in, in exposing, you know, Chelsea's had her stint and uh, I think several multi-women matches uh, mm. across different promotions she's been in now. That paired with, you know, obviously Kylie Ray's skill. And, and real quick, it's good to see Kylie Ray back in action because last time I seen her was in Impact and... Um, you know, we all go through things in life, and it, and it's, it's it's good to see her. You know, potentially on the on the better side of some of her troubles. You know, so um, you know, prepared with with Green. You know, it's kind of like they was pushing to you know elevate Camille because she had to step. She definitely had to step her game up because you can be involved in a decision, well, not involved in a decision that cost you your title. So she definitely had to step up in a lot of ways, which is cool to see. Um, and to let people know exactly how long it's been. Since I watched NWA the last time that I watched, Camille wasn't talking. No, no. She's she's got a pretty good mouth about her now. I don't mean yeah. that in a horrible way. I mean she yeah, can talk I, really well. That sounded bad. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's found her voice. Yes, um, that's that's what that's the phrase I was looking for. Yeah, she's definitely found her voice and it's 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 cool to see the the, the pair with that demeanor and uh she did what she had to do here. Little uh little interesting final spear there. That was was an interesting one, yeah. um, but she found the pot spot and she got it and she uh, she retained. And uh, after the match, we saw her and uh, good old good old Bram was still going strong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the man so disliked on the UK wrestling circuit. No one's allowed to book him anymore, uh, or you can book him, but you can't announce him because then the crowd just looks leaves. Um, yes, um, that, that, well, there you go. That's 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 a life issue, and that's that's the thing about the NWA is, and we probably the next match is another classic example of it. The NWA has arguably scraped some barrels with some of its roster. Um, as we move on to the NWA television title match with noticed Fox 
Fox News analyst Tyrus. Good God. Um, <laughs> defeated Rodney Mack in eight minutes and 14 seconds. Um, I mean, then Tyrus is genuinely dislikable. I'm by all accounts, a not very nice, nice bloke and on television for Fox News, spook shite uh, to, for, the, for, for the paying public to uh, lap up. Um, but there you go. That's his job, I suppose, and he does it well. There's, there's, there's arguably a big crossover between professional wrestling and Fox News analysts, I think. But Rodney Max, fine. It was great, but this match was awful. <laughs> it just was. Marcus, your thoughts? I mean, you said it all. I'm glad you did. <laughs> I was like, it was long. It was plotting. I wanted to give some credit to Mac, but he suffered because he was in there with that. But um, you just said it was long. It was actually, apart from the 30 second match, the second. Oh no, it was the show. Apart from the 30 second match with Mayweather and Dane, it was literally the shortest match on the show, and you thought it was too long. That tells you everything. <laughs> exactly. 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 And, and, to, and to your point, like to think, like how crazy it is, like. Like, what are we going to get the next generation of bad guys? Fox News. What? <laughs> That's where the next hills are coming from. I'm good. I'm good. Give me all the Ray Mysterio's John Cena's you can. I'm good on that. <laughs> Please, no. But, yeah, this was another match that happened. <laughs> and it's it, it's gone now. You know, the fact that the man is the champion. It is what it is. We, we can't have all A's across the report card. No. Uh, but, you know. No. No, no, we, we, this was not moving into, you know, uh, gotch there's territory, let's be honest. Uh, let's move on. The final of the Crockett Rook 2022 featured the Briscoes going up against the Commonwealth Connection in a clean professional wrestling match between two well-qualified professional wrestling teams that went for 13 minutes and 54 seconds and is arguably one of the best tag matches you'll see all year. And I can't really say any more than that. It was the Briscoes being the Briscoes and Doug Williams and Harry Smith being Doug Williams and Harry Smith. And it don't get much better than that. If you want consistent professional wrestling that looks cool and tells a story and the tag team from Delaware that have watched the Crockett Cup and were disappointed with the Rock and Roll Express when they were kids because they blew it each year and they were on the, th the same path to blow it themselves because they blew it last time. And this time they got the formula right what a story to tell. That's what wrestling's about. You can't argue with that. No matter what your personal feelings are about Mark and Jay, and you can have plenty of personal feelings about Mark and Jay, this did what it was supposed to do. Can't argue with it at all. Marcus, your thoughts? Look, anybody that's, that's listened to me in, in James, uh, you know, review New Japan show, uh, which there's a plethora of you to go listen back to, um, this is one of the matches we could talk about until we're blue in the face, but ultimately just go watch it. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's 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 the best way. There's a we, we could put words to it, but it's not the proper justice. You got to go watch. This is this is what this tournament is for. You know, this is why this tournament was put on, you know, and kudos to them for booking it right. This these are the two tag teams, like you said, Phil. How you want to feel about uh uh the Briscoes all you want to, and you're just fully justified in that. But you know, in that ring. You know, they're almost second to none. And you put them across from two, you know, very grizzled veterans like, you know, Harry Smith and, and Doug Williams for sure. And you're going to get, you know, a, a classic, like James said. And, and the fact that, um, thankfully, it was one of the, the longer matches on the show, as it should. Um, I could have swapped it out with a time for the main event. Uh, switch those times have been perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> it could it could have done with five minutes more. That's the only yeah. thing I complain about. It just... Five minutes more would have made it a complete classic, but there you go. 
you know, and that's it. What can you do? Uh, Which moves us on to the main event, which was by no means a classic, let's be honest. Matt Cardona defeated Nick Aldis in 20 minutes and 13 seconds for an entire weekend fairly bereft of shenanigans. This was going to have shenanigans. Whatever happened, it was going to be shenanigans. And we got a complete, nearly full, dusty finish. Now, when, you know, the NWA takes some of the old NWA tropes, like I said earlier, it's refreshing, it's cool, it's nice to see. In this particular case, Dusty finishes, no. <laughs> For those of you who do not know what a Dusty finish is, the Dusty finish is when the babyface wins the match, or your implies that the babyface wins the match. I may even leave the arena with the championship belt, but then it is overturned once the match is finished because of something else. In this particular case, uh, Chelsea Green got in an accident, well, no, intentionally low blow Jeff Jarrett, and when Jeff Jarrett finally got up and turned round, Mickey James was stood there, so therefore he he um, disqualified Nick Aldis. Does that make sense? But of course the fans had already popped because Nick Aldis, they thought, had won. Because he'd won with a submission when Jeff Jarrett, he had a submission on when Jeff Jarrett called the bell. Which is convoluted, but so was wrestling in the 1980s. And this is where it kind of throws back to, which is nice. But I kind of got sick of Dusty Finishes, as did everybody else. <laughs> so it was a cool throwback, but please don't do this every time. What's your thoughts on this one, Matt? Not Matt, I'm starting to call you Matt Marcus. <laughs> Cardo has got my brain, that's the problem. Which I guess is the point. <laughs> this, whole thing, this, this is what the goal is, to get somebody of, of oh, that yeah. high wrestling IQ level locked in solely on him. Jesus. Uh, the guy really is evil. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I mean, look, I, I I get a lot of my um '80s wrestling fix through you, um, and, and thankfully so because I, I would have got tired out. Um, <laughs> when you, everything you say went on in the '80s was stuff I went back and watched, and being a longtime Impact fan, I am if I never see another overbooked unnecessary finish <laughs> for a championship main event um it'll be too soon and the fact that this was another one being a longtime impact fan involving nick aldis formerly magnus who we suffered nothing but uh, <laughs> finishes when he was champion in the dna uh i feel like there's some cruel irony there yes uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, look, you got stuff tying in back with it, with Impact, obviously, uh, and and stuff. The definitely the relationship stuff of it all. I guess it's cool in a way to see a lot of these real life couples transition into these on screen characters and battle it out as, you know, uh, these uh, on screen power couples, if you will. But ultimately, man, you can't beat just a good old fashioned wrestling match. But I guess that they gave us that in the tag, so it was like. We gave you to fix there. Now we, you know, <laughs> now we finna fix this. So you know, like you said, um, ultimately I think the show comes down to what Tim Storm calls it. You know, beautifully. You know, respect tradition and legacy. But uh, I think you know traditions can evolve. Yes, yes they you can. Know? And uh, I think it's time to do that. I think that you know you can leave a dusty finish. You know where it's at, and you know God rest. You know uh, dusty soul, but. You know we can we can evolve the tradition and, and and keep things square because 
it's a certain point where it really does just take you out of it. I don't know about you, but it, it kind of takes me out of it. You know, I, I talked about on the last show, those consistent ref bumps that we keep getting in Impact Main yeah, events. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's overdone to hell. Um, so hopefully we can um, get that with NWA. But overall, I think the show was, was a success. Uh, so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we missed it out. We should talk about it, really. Trevor Murdoch caught a promo that was absolutely on the money and was another 80s trope, which I really enjoyed, which was the wrong champion. You know, he lost the belt to Matt Cardona in, in dodgy circumstances, but the fans started cheering for Cardona when Cardona won. And, you know, Murdoch was like, I fought for you for 18 months to get that championship from Aldis. Then Aldis steps over my battered and bleeding body and you start cheering for Cardona. And it's like, there you go, that's the money. <laughs> I could see money flashing in his eyes. And yeah. it's like, that's brilliant. But then this main event is... It's like you've gone the whole way and you know Cardona's going to do this thing. So just find a way out of it that just still leaves Cardona looking like a douchebag. You know, that's that's doable without the dusty finish. You know, it can be done in much simpler and much easier way. But it it was no bad thing. It was it wasn't awful match. It was watchable and it was kind of like it was it was probably like you said overly long and they could have done with swapping the the tournament match final uh, to the end. And of course, it would have sent the times I'm happy. <laughs> this didn't really send anyone I'm happy. Um, so yeah, uh, it was it, it it was good. What's your overall thoughts on the card in the end, or cards? I should say. I'd I'd. I'd... You know, I absolutely, I dug it. You know, like I said, um, things I liked, did like. You, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. Um, it's, it's rare that you're going to find a 100% uh, card that you're going to love because it's, it's always going to be something. But I think ultimately, like you said, I'm glad that, you know, you brought this up to, to review because it got me back into the MWA to become abreast of everything that was going on after so long. And I've never, you know, complained about watching quality tag team wrestling. You know, no, no, that's so, it. Um, and this this had a plethora of it. You know, uh, main, you know, whether the main event went off without a hitch or not, um, it was it was really cool to see. Really cool to see. You know, everything that you know Billy Corgan's you know doing and, and continuing to try to do with the uh, NWA. You know, you got some saw the old titles, saw the new titles, and um, they got more titles now than what they had when I last watched it. So that's cool. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's really cool to see the company get back on its feet after what looked like they weren't going to necessarily make it through when everything was kind of uh, storm was a brewing, if you will, over the over the uh, company. So, yes, an actual storm, not Tim storm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to the Troopany show today. I'm in agreement with Marcus. It was a solid show from a solid company that produces solid wrestling and does things differently, which is no bad thing. They have some roster choices I would prefer they didn't have, but so does New Japan Pro Wrestling and so does Impact Wrestling and so does AEW and so does the WWE. There is no ethical way of watching professional wrestling and sometimes you have to take them for the experience. Thank you very much for listening today. Marcus, where can we find you on the internets? Yeah, hit me up on Twitter, always down to talk. Um, at uh, On Twitter, like I said, at Paradox Kid, that's P-A-R-A-D-O-X-K-I-D. Ah, you can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find us on Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us on uh, Patreon, The Troopany Show, where you can keep us free forever for everyone else on Facebook, The Troopany Show. We'll be back next week 
I don't know what we'll be looking at or what we'll be reviewing because I haven't decided yet. And we'll have a chat and see what we can come up with. But in the meantime, enjoy your wrestling. If you want to listen to more of the Troopany Show, there is the entire New Japan today at the New Japan Cup series, which we're off to go and record another episode of now. Um, and other than that, we'll catch you in the week. We'll have Wrestling Rewind and all sorts of stuff happening. Take care. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>